Well, good morning to all of you. It is so good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. And for those of you who may be joining us for the first time today, I want to say welcome to you and want you to know that you're always welcome to join us, whether online or here in person, where we are committed to sharing in hope, living with purpose for the sake of others. Amen. Amen. Well, I, I think it, I've said this before, but I think it's worth saying again. What a privilege it is. What a privilege it is for us to be able to gather together in pursuit of and in praise of God. Uh, if the, the things that have unfolded over the, the last several weeks in Ukraine have not reminded us of that, you, for you see, we have brothers and sisters that are in other parts of the world. But they're not gathering in sacred places like this, but they're gathering in subways and in shelters. And they're reminding us that it's not about the place, but about the people. That's what the church is about. So thanks be to God for their reminding us of that. And may we be lifting up those that are doing the same thing we're doing today, but they're doing it in, in extenuating circumstances. But nonetheless, they and us together are in pursuit of God. And we are reminded that where two or more are gathered, there Jesus is. So Jesus is in the house this morning. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. Amen. So I want to begin today as we start this new series with seeing if you know these phrases, these slogans. All right. So if, if you're wearing Nike, you just. All right. If you shop at Publix, welcome to Publix where shopping is a pleasure. Right. Or, or, or nationwide insurance. You know, they have a little ditty, right? Nationwide is. All right. Y'all got to sing it nationwide. That's better. All right. Or, or my favorite, Chick-fil-A, Confession, I ate there twice yesterday. You know, there's a song, I could eat it seven times a day. Well, I did it twice yesterday. But Chick-fil-A is eat more chicken. All right, y'all don't know that one? Y'all, we got to work on that. We got to work on that. But, but here's the point I'm trying to make this morning. Is that those companies spend billions of dollars to get those thoughts into our heads. And it works. Because y'all are able to say them back to me. And they change our spending habits. You see, here's the reality that we need to acknowledge this morning. Whether we know it or not, there are forces that influence what we think, what we value, and how we relate to other people. Let me say that again. Whether you know it or not, there are forces that influence what we think, what we value, and how we relate to one another. Think about relationships in your life, your family, your friends. How much of an influence and impact have they had on your life? Think about the media that we watch or we listen to, the 24-hour news cycle. I mean, it informs not only what we think, but a lot of times it invokes some emotions in us, doesn't it? And then there's this thing called a smartphone. How many of y'all have a smartphone? I don't know if that implies we're dummies or not, but, you know, but needless to say, you think about smartphones and you think about social media, it has changed the way we relate to everyone, doesn't it? Hasn't it? You see, if we're honest this morning, there are a lot of forces at work in our lives influencing what we think, what we value, and how we relate to other people. Some of those we don't even know consciously are affecting us. And if we're honest this morning, some of those influences have been less than life-giving to us. Less than life-giving in our relationships with one another and our understanding and our outlook on the world. And if you're like me this morning, I want you to know there is some good news for us that are followers of Jesus Christ. 
Because for those of us that seek to follow Jesus Christ, there's another force at work in our lives. Do you know what that force is? It's the Holy Spirit. It's the presence of God manifest in us. And you know what the Holy Spirit wants to do? The Holy Spirit wants to take disciples of Jesus Christ and turn them into the image of Jesus Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. That's what the power of the Holy Spirit wants to do, is to shape us into the life and the image of Christ. And you may be wondering what that, that means. You know, Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica, and, and in chapter 4, he says this, that God's will is for us to be sanctified. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a big churchy word, right? So what does it mean to be sanctified? Well, let me give you an answer. To be made holy. Y'all got that now? We're good? Go be holy, right? You know, I mean, God says, be holy as I am holy. Well, let me break that down for you. To be sanctified means to be holy, and to be holy is to be like Jesus. That means we think like Jesus. That means that we begin to relate to other people like Jesus. That means that we're able to to be in relationship with the Father just like Jesus. And we're able to obey the Father just like Jesus. That's great news, but I imagine some of you are saying, whoa. I don't know if I can do that, myself included. Here's the good news today. No matter how hard we try, we cannot, but by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, we can and we will if we open ourselves up to allow the Holy Spirit to speak in us and through us. And so this season of Lent, what we want to spend time on, what Ann and I want to spend time on, is what does it mean to live into a life that's influenced and shaped by Jesus? rather than influenced and shaped by the world and the cultural values around us. That's what we want to spend the next several weeks on. And it begins with opening ourselves up to a move of the Holy Spirit in us and through us. Amen? And so with that, I want us to turn to a passage of Scripture. It's found in the letter to the church in Galatia. And this is what Paul wrote in chapter 5, beginning in verse 13. He says this, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit." And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. And the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. So that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. 
Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me this morning? Almighty God, as we continue in this season of Lent, and as we continue in this moment of pursuing after you, of praising you, of petitioning you. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would break loose in here, beginning with me. God, that you would have your way with each and every one of us. God, that we would be transformed and are renewed in mind and body and spirit this morning. God, that we would find in your word the living word, Jesus Christ, who desires to redeem us and restore us. So, Lord, be with our minds and our hearts today. May both be open to what you would have for us to hear and what you would have us to do. I ask this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And the church said, Amen. Amen. I don't know about you, but Paul is never about mincing words, is he? Uh, He never does, and especially in this passage in chapter 5, he is making no exception in terms of mincing words. If we look a little bit back earlier in the letter, Paul is speaking to the church in Galatia. He's speaking to what's getting in the way of them and their ability to follow Jesus. And, and, and what was getting in the way in part was the fact that they were being imposed upon all the religious customs and traditions of the Jewish faith. And Paul's saying, you are not saved by those customs. You are saved by faith alone. Praise be to God this morning, right? Salvation is faith alone. But he goes and he warns them that that even though that is what it is, salvation is by faith alone, that doesn't mean that you are to use your freedom to do whatever you want, whenever you want, to whomever you want. He's speaking of what also gets in the way of us that seek to follow Jesus. And that's the indulgences that we partake in. Indulgences in the faith, or indulgences in the flesh. And those indulgences have a word. It's a three-letter word. We don't like to talk about it a lot in church. Sin. You see, sin gets in. We indulge ourselves in the flesh. And, and, and he's speaking not only to the church in Galatia in that day, but he might as well be speaking to us today because that's the reality for us is that don't we oftentimes find ourselves indulging in the desires of the flesh if we're honest with ourselves? And don't they leave us less than satisfied? Less than fulfilled? That's... That's what Paul's getting at here in this passage. He's talking about how it gets in the way of our being able to follow Jesus. You know, there's a popular bumper sticker, and it it goes this way. It says, Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. Would you all agree with that? Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. I, I don't know about you, but I'd like to have that bumper sticker on my car. But here's the truth. That's only half the truth, y'all. Jesus not only pardons us, but he gives us the power to walk in freedom. We are not just forgiven. We are set free from the power of sin. We have the power to no longer walk in sin. When we settle for that kind of bumper sticker mentality, we settle for thinking that we will always be in a sinful state. And think about that. How does that make us any different than anyone else in the world? If we sin and a non-follower of Christ sin, what's the difference? Is it just forgiveness? Well, in the eyes of the world, do we look any different then 
Do we? You see, Jesus pardons us. He saves us from the penalty and also the power of sin. Think about that for a minute. Think about that. Jesus saves us not only from the penalty, but the power of sin. And we're not to settle for simply being forgiven. That bumper sticker needs an extension to it. Can I get an amen to that today? You know, Paul put it this way to the church in Rome. He says this about sin and our, and our being able to break away from it. Romans 6. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. You see, we're not only forgiven, we're set free from sin. We no longer have to be ruled by sin. When, when you have that temptation to lie or to covet or to go in that cupboard and eat the chocolate like I have been tempted to do, we have the power to say no. We have the power to say no. You see, here's the thing this morning. There is no sin. There is absolutely no sin that God cannot set you free from. There is no sin that God cannot set me free from. Perhaps some of us need to hear that this morning. You know, the writer of John, John's letters, John wrote this in, in his first letter. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I was reminded of that this morning. I was reading the devotion. I don't know if any of y'all have read the devotion, but the one I read this morning, Jesus Shaped Life, was Isaiah. And Isaiah realized that he was a man of unclean lips. And he confessed that. And what had happened is, is that God, through the seraphs, brought a hot coal and purified his lips. You see, when we confess those sins, God sets us free from those, but not just from forgiveness, but it talks about how he purifies us. In other words, he refines us. He sets us free from that. You, you see, we are not just sinners saved by grace. We are changed by grace. Let me say that again. We are not just sinners saved by grace. We are sinners changed by grace. This is great news for us. You see, this is what it means to live into a Christ-like faith. To live into a Jesus-shaped life. It's not to settle simply for forgiveness. But it's begin to yearn and to step into the freedom that God has for us and wants to do through us. This is what it means to become holy as God is holy. That's good news, y'all. Can I get an amen to that this morning? That is good news. But here's the unfortunate thing. You see, the unfortunate thing is that for most of us, we hear that call to become holy and we're like, well, that ain't me. You know, any of y'all seen someone that you know is holy? Anybody that y'all perceive is holy and you're like, well, they were just born that way. You ever thought that? You ever thought, well, they're different. They must have been born that way. I got news for you. We were all born one way. We were born with a bent towards self. We were born with a bent towards sin. But just as Jesus was speaking to Nicodemus, we have the opportunity to be born Again, not of the flesh, but of the Spirit. 
You see, when we begin to embrace faith in Jesus Christ, we die with Christ and we rise with Christ. When you think about baptism, how many of y'all were ever immersed? Any of y'all been immersed in baptism? Some of y'all have, okay? Well, that's symbolic of dying to self and rising with Christ. You're shedding that old life and you're stepping into the new life of Christ operating in and through your life. This is what it means to have a Christ-like life, is to allow Christ to work in you. But the reality is, for all of us, I bet, at least I can speak for myself, I've said yes to Jesus. I imagine most of us have said yes to Jesus, but are you still struggling? Or am I the only one? (laughs) Come on now, I know I'm not the only one, right? We still struggle, right? Well, that's what Paul's talking about, is that the inner struggle of our old self, our old flesh, and our new flesh. Because guess what? When we say yes to Jesus, we don't wake up and boom, we're some perfect holy person, are we? No, that's the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit in our life that's got to continue to purify us and refine us. Listen to what Paul said again in Galatians 5.16. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit. The spirit, what is contrary to the flesh, they are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. You see, he's talking about that tug of war that goes on in us. All of us that have already said yes to Jesus, we're still not perfect, are we? At least I'm not. I I look in the mirror and I know I'm not. Y'all don't say amen to that, all right? But the problem is, is that for too many of us, we settle We settle for that forgiveness, and we settle for the sense that we can never overcome that constant sin in our life, that struggle, that that desire, that whatever that is for you. Am I right? We think somehow we just can't go over that. But Paul says, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. You see, here the the thing is that this is what sanctifying grace is all about. That same grace that woo us and woke us to the reality that God exists. That same grace that brought us to a place that convicted us that God not only exists, but we need God in our life. Is the same grace that wants to operate in our life once we say yes to Jesus. To turn us into the image of Christ. So that we might be fully image bearers of Christ in this world. That's what it means to live in the power of the Spirit. And so let me give you three things that the Holy Spirit does. When you open yourself up, when you avail yourself to the Holy Spirit beginning to set up residency, to to move into the neighborhood, if you will, to to live and reign in your life, the first thing that we see, and we see it right here in Paul's scripture, is that we begin to bear fruit. What is it that Paul says at the end of this that we read? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, who comes to mind when you think about those fruit? Jesus, perhaps. I know that's the Sunday school answer, but think about it. Think about it. Let me read through them again and think about it. Is this this the image of Christ? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control self-control you see these aren't traits to strive for this is fruit that is born out of a life in christ think about that 
It's not something that behaviorally you work toward. It's something you allow the Holy Spirit to bear in you, to, to birth in you. You see, we have a role to play. We have a part to play in our spiritual growth. But the power comes from the Holy Spirit. We can't do it on our own, can we? You see, when we begin to live in a spirit-filled way, we allow God to work in us and we begin to bear fruit. We begin to look like Christ. We begin to act like Christ. We begin to think like Christ. We begin to relate to others like Christ because we begin to bear the fruit of the Spirit operating in our lives. That's one of the three things I want to articulate for you today. The second is this. The Holy Spirit also helps us recognize sin. Think about it. I, I got to borrow, my, my parents are here today, and I'm, I'm going to confess I got to drive my mom's Honda Pilot. Man, it's souped out. It is nice. My car was in the shop, and I asked if I could borrow it. She can't drive right now because of her shoulder. And So I'm driving it, and, and I, I come up to this intersection, and a car cuts me off and then goes across over to the turning lane. And right on the screen is this brake, I mean bright yellow, right in front of me on the dash. I mean, it has this built-in anti-collision system. And it's telling me to break. Well, isn't that what the Holy Spirit does in our life? It's an anti-sin collision in our lives. When we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, He begins to convict us. He begins to compel us. He begins to guide us in ways that we begin to become aware of those things that maybe we weren't even aware of that are sinful, that are less than life-giving in our lives. This is what Jesus was talking about when he was talking to his disciples right before he was to lay down his life. He said this. We find this in John chapter 16. He says, but very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you when he comes. Not if. When. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. You see, when we begin to say yes to Jesus, when we begin to avail ourselves to the work of the Holy Spirit in us, it's the Holy Spirit in us that begins to convict us. Not condemn us, but convict us. Of the things that are God's best and the things that are not of God's best in our lives, the indulgences. It begins to steer us away from the indulgences of the flesh and toward the desires of the Spirit. But here's the reality. When I saw that anti- Uh, collision come up when it said break i still had a choice to make whether i could hit the brake in my mom's car i did hit it by the way you don't have to worry (laughs) but that's the way the holy spirit works the holy spirit is not forceful the holy spirit doesn't impose on us because god's not an imposing god we have to choose whether to act on that or not So when when the Holy Spirit convicts us, when the Holy Spirit prompts us, that's not right, that's not good, that's not wholesome. We still have a role to play in that. We have to choose whether to step on that brake, so to speak, or not. And thanks be to God when we choose not to, when we choose to indulge in the flesh anyway, even though the warning bells are going off in our body, in our minds, God's grace is sufficient. And the Holy Spirit brings us back on the road and allows us to go down the road to safety. You know, one of the things, and Ann talked about it last week, about being grounded in God's word is kind of the guardrails of of this church. It's one of the core values. One of the other core values is we were developing and kind of reaffirming who we are as a community of faith was that we would be guided by the Spirit. 
guided by the Spirit, grounded by in God's Word, but guided by God's Spirit. And part of being guided by God's Spirit is being guided in the ways of God and not off in the ways of the flesh. That's what the Holy Spirit allows us to do. Not only does it allow us to bear fruit, to, to begin to look more like Christ, not only does it help us recognize, kind of give us a warning system, if you will, towards sin, but here's the third thing. It helps us change our behavior. You, you see, the Holy Spirit, when we allow it to, to begin to operate in our life, it allows us to turn. You know what turning means? To repent. To repent. You see, repentance begins with a changing of the mind and then ultimately changing a direction. In other words, we're no longer like Burger King. Have it your way, but thy way, thy will be done is the way in which we decide to go in our life. The way the way that Paul puts it in Romans and my small group, the men's group that meets on Saturday mornings, uh, we've met the last two weeks and we've gotten through two verses of Romans 12. We're slow, y'all. We're really slow. But the second verse in Romans 12, two, or 12 says this, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Well, how does that happen? You begin to allow the ways of God and the Spirit of God to begin to be what influences your life. This is what Paul was talking about. Not only living by the Spirit, but being kept in step with the Spirit. It means opening ourselves up to a move of the Holy Spirit. You see, God doesn't impose himself on us. I mentioned this earlier. That's not what God does. We have to make a choice. Just like we chose Christ for those of us that are already followers, we have to also choose to be refined, to be purified, to be open to allowing God, to, through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, to refine us. So that we actually can have a Jesus-shaped life. So that others see in us, they say, I want what you have. Now, Steve Cordell, the, the guy that wrote the devotional that we're reading through Lent, he, he quoted A.W. Tozer, a, a spiritual giant. And, and I want to quote him here too. A.W. A. Tozer says this, God will take nine steps toward us, but he will not take the tenth. He will incline us to repent. But he cannot do the repenting for us. Let me say that again. God will take nine steps toward us, but he will not take the tenth. He will incline us to repent, but he cannot do the repenting for us. You see, there's a step we have to play. We have to choose to avail ourselves to the work of the Holy Spirit. I was reflecting on this this week, and I was thinking about this word indulgences, and that's a powerful word, and oftentimes we are tempted to indulge ourselves in so many things of the world. As I'm reflecting on how the Holy Spirit's actually operated in my life and begun to reveal in me how I can be set free of some of those indulgences, and you're going to laugh with me, but just just give me a minute. Y'all know I love chocolate, right? And I've shared this with some of y'all. I mean, I, I have a voracious appetite, I did anyway, for chocolate. Like when I went off to college, mom, don't listen to this, but I would take a whole Chips Ahoy, Chips Ahoy bag and I would down the whole thing with half a gallon of milk. Y'all know what that's like. And, and, and later in life, I would find myself the bags of chocolate chips, the raw chocolate that's in our house, an open bag was an empty bag. 
So if it wasn't open, guess what I did? I opened it. (laughs) And every time I went in the kitchen, I would go in that cupboard. Now, y'all may think that's funny. And in some ways it is. But honestly, what was that? That's a coping mechanism. That's an addiction. Call it what you want, but it was something other than God, of God, that I was filling myself with. Y'all may think it's innocuous, but it's not, especially if, if, if you have a history of diabetes in your family. And God convicted me. The Holy Spirit began to reveal me. He said, Andy, that's not going to fill you. That's not going to satisfy you. And I'll never forget, it was fall of 2019. I got to go on a walk to Emmaus. And, and, and the one I was supposed to be on this spring got canceled, but Anne's going to go on one this month. It's a men's retreat, but she gets to speak there, and I encourage any of the men that want to go, go. But I went on that retreat, and, and, and they said, you know, one thing you don't have to worry about is food. And, man, let me tell you, you do not have to worry about food. I mean, it is coming out your ears. If you want food, you got it, and all the sweets. But I, I felt convicted to, to just choose not to, and to indulge in the sweets that weekend. But my prayer life was this. I, I kept I coming to God and said, God, would you take the desire I have to eat that raw chocolate, would you take it away? Would you just, would you just take the desire away? I ended up fasting that whole weekend. But it wasn't the fasting that changed my life. I had fasted from chocolate several times over. I mean, I'm 44 years old, and Lent for me is about fasting, foregoing something. I have foregone chocolate I don't know how many times, only to end up right back in that pantry with an empty bag or an open bag or a bag yet to be opened. But I came away from that retreat, and God removed that desire within me. And to this day, 2022, I do not go in the cupboard and eat the raw chocolate anymore. Now, I love a good cookie. Don't get me wrong. I like a piece of cake. Don't get me wrong. But that's no longer my coping mechanism. You see, that's the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. You know, so often we go about it trying to change our behavior. Any of y'all have gone on a diet? Any of you have tried this? I've done those things. Behavior management is not what God's after. He's after the desire of your heart. He wants to change your desires from those of the flesh to that of the Spirit. And that's when we begin to look and think and speak and relate more and more like Jesus. When we allow the work of the sanctifying grace, the power of the Holy Spirit to fill us to transform us and to remove the desires that we have that we know are not fulfilling us and will not sustain us. So today I want to close with asking you a question. What desire do you want God to take away from you today? What desire, what indulgence that maybe no one else knows about but you do you want God to take away from, for you today? Do you want that? i got news for you. You can have that. It's a matter of opening yourself up to the power of the Holy Spirit to speak in your life. There is no sin. There is no indulgence that God cannot set you free from.
So as we close today, I want you to pause in this moment. Allow the Holy Spirit to operate in your life. Allow Him to speak into your life. Would you allow Him to fill your life? Would you allow Him to change your life? Because we're on a journey to allowing ourselves to be shaped, formed, and influenced not by the society and culture around us, but by Christ who laid down His life for us and who came through an empty tomb. Because you see, we are Christians. We're not perfect. But we're not just forgiven. We are set free. Ask for that freedom today. Claim that freedom for yourself today. Let us pray. God, (laughs) move in this room today. Move in the room of the dens of those that are tuning in this morning. God, we all know, whether we're willing to admit it publicly or not, there are indulgences in each of us that are not wholesome that are void of the fruit of the Spirit because they are of the flesh. God, take those desires away. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, fill each and every one of us. God, open our hearts and our minds to petition to you, to seek, to take that step we must take towards you. And allow your Holy Spirit to do what only the Spirit of God can do. To set us free. God, break us free of those things that are not of you. As individuals. As households. As a body of faith called the way. Help us to no longer indulge in the flesh. But to walk in the spirit. And to keep step with your spirit. God, I ask this for each and every one of us today. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And the church said, Amen. Amen.